welcome to the heavy hole. I am Tom. I'm Big Will, aka Uncle Buck. Oh, hey guys, I'm Justin. Oh, this guy back, again. Back in the hole right now. <laughs> Hello, Justin. Hey, how's what's it going? up, Justin? How you doing, man? Doing fantastic. How you doing, Will? I'm good, man. And not that you're not special as the perma guest, but we do have another special guest here tonight. Tell me about it. It's none other than Sam Smith from Artificial Brain. Also, Ava Turn, Luminous Vault, Gethsemane, Fawn Limbs. We're going to talk about all of it. How you doing, Sam? I'm pretty good. How about you guys? Chilling. An hour before we started this recording, I came in from a road trip, and uh, I'm tan, if you haven't noticed. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. You got you the know? color. Tom. Usually yeah. in the basement all day, but yeah, drive down to Florida. If you don't have to, don't. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Agree. No. Yeah. Yeah, we, me, yeah, Sam, we've had a few epic journeys through Florida, right? All uh, the way from the bottom to the top. And- to Virginia and shit, yeah. Yeah, it was a great trip, but man, I, I want to stand right now, to be honest with you guys. Do what you got to do, man. They, they, the listeners don't know if you're standing, if you're doing yoga positions, it's all good. It's about transparency, you know? You you might be listening to a standing man at some point. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get into it. Well, well, Tom, well before we get into that... Well, yeah, I, I yeah. want to be respectful to Sam. He came a long way, but yeah, Tom Tom did something very special. On yeah, Tom, because you're talking about listening, so what, yeah. what, did you listen, what else did you listen to on your trip? Oh, uh... I went down to Richmond, Virginia, to mm-hmm. hang out with my buddy Phil from Municipal Waste. Shout, uh, you may have heard, to, heard of them. Shout uh, to Phil. Yeah, yeah uh, I hit him up. I told him I was going on a road trip. He happened to be in town, which he usually is never. He was like, "Yeah, come down and party." And then an hour later, I get a phone call saying, "Dude, Stone Temple Pilots are playing." <laughs> so, man, we got drunk and watched <laughs> so much Stone Temple Pilots. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah it, was, it was a great time. Richmond sick. Uh, Phil put me up. Cool dude, as always. And, uh, yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah really hoping yeah. to talk about maybe like the next next uh, discography episode we do is all Stone Temple. Oh, STP, I'm down, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't know. I got it for the, the look, maybe like first, what, three? What was it? Three albums? Two albums? I don't know, man. I got a, I got a couple of STP bones in my body, man. They, they sounded awesome, <laughs> you know? to be honest with you. They got some yeah. guy, forgot his name, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, Wyland's dead, and so is uh, the Chester, next singer, Chester. Yeah. yeah, he's dead now. So it was some other guy from a new metal band called Dry Cell. All right. And man, he could dance. Okay. And he could sing. <laughs> <All right. laughs> hey, man, I'm glad you had a good time. Big shout out to Phil, man. I, we, uh, we did the tour a few years ago where we were with Iron Reagan on the road, and Phil's in that band. And we also did a little three-day stint, four, three or four-day stint with Cannabis Corpse. Now, the Phil's, Phil's a busy man, which is why I'm surprised he caught him on a day when he was uh, in his home home state of Virginia, man. I Yeah, I didn't think uh, that would line up, because usually he's touring, man. Yeah, uh, Never miss a hometown <laughs> Stone Temple Pilots show, ever. Well, yeah. well while we're, we're at it, one. shouting people, I gotta quickly sa- shout out, before we get to get to this Sam, I got one more Sam. We saw Sam at the uh, at a pro wrestling event, and uh, Sam Sherrick, the drummer of um, uh, Blame God, Hagenty, now Bowel Erosion's drummer, he's playing drums everywhere that, that, that they'll have him. You know how drummers are, man. They're, they're a hot commodity now. Yep. Um, but Sam Sherrick, also a pro wrestler. Uh, shout to the Dracula Kid. Um, uh, shout to Liam, his, uh, his teammate, uh, over the weekend. I hope he recovered well. They took him out in a body bag. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of everything that transpired. I think the referee, uh, they need a new referee next time. Ref wasn't watching. I told the referee to break a couple things up that were going on. But Sam got cheated, man, but I hope he's going to come back hard. So shout to Sham Sherrick, a.k.a. the Dracula Kid out there, building a name for himself in the pro wrestling field. Um, good man. We're going to have him on the show eventually. But uh, that Justin, why, 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 what did you do, man? What's going on with you? I was, I was 
kind of just sat around, drank, <laughs> wrote, wrote a couple of riffs, did a puzzle. Uh, working on your riffs, like you're always saying. Work on, yeah, you're right. Thank I am you. always saying yeah. that. And I say to myself, yeah. more than I tell anybody else, you got to work on your riffs. And it doesn't matter what you're doing. Doing a puzzle, okay. Work on it's your riffs. Man of culture. That's and great. aren't, isn't constructing a beautiful riff the ultimate puzzle? Oh, right? boy. Just well, fitting the pieces in together? I know just the man to ask, and he's sitting to my left. That's Sam Smith. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm again with the Segway, bro. I'm going to be riding around on a Segway. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, Sam, man, thank you for coming out. Uh, you're, you're living in the New York City area now. Uh, you know, you came out here on, on the Metro, as they say. <laughs> no, no one says that but it's okay. I, I came out here on the tube Yeah, I'm from yeah. Long Island I don't know these, these big fancy <laughs> metropolitan terms yeah. um, And Sam's got a lot of bands out there in the big city, man uh, You know, I, I obviously Sam uh, plays bass all these years in Artificial Brain um, One of the founding members of Artificial Brain Quick question, I got a, I got a couple of like uh, linear chron- chronological questions But who came up with the name Artificial Brain? Uh, I think it was Dan Okay I, I think it was Dan We had a list of about like 200 names <laughs> that yep. we, you know, uh, were we, one of them we were considering. We didn't even know at this point what we were going to sound like exactly. We'd written some riffs, but we were considering Executive Decision, which would have been like a vastly different band, right? Heavy. That would have been like a grind band or something like that. <laughs> yeah, um, that would make a sick tour with Municipal Waste, <laughs> right? Or yeah, like Iron Reagan. That would be like right in that in that vibe, man. That would have been like ahead of the curve a little bit too with that, you know, that scene, man. So I'm pretty sure it was Dan um, right. and. Yeah, it was just kind of a throw, like, he threw it in after we came up with this list of 200 names that we're, like, slaving over for yeah. for a while. All right, man, well, I just, um, real yeah, quick, yeah. I want to, I just want to contextualize something. Will, you were the last person to join the band. Yes, I, it was already Artificial Brain when I joined. Okay. So, it, so, um... Valid question, this is not just... Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of history, like, an in, I've said it a lot maybe in other interviews and stuff like that, but, uh, yeah, Paulo... Um, I had met Sam. We were acquainted a little bit from uh, like my biolich days, but uh, and Dan Gargiulo too was in a band called um, Cyanide Breed that played shows with biolich and I, you know we'd see each other around, but we weren't like you know good friends or anything. And um, Paulo put me in touch with these guys, Artificial Brain, and said you know they're looking for a singer, and I sent like a resume kind of email to Sam, and um, you know we we hit it off right there in Keith's basement. Uh, you know the first couple of basements, the first couple of rehearsals in the basement. That you know was a rap man. Um, but but like pressing the rewind button before all that, you're you're from that Valley Stream area with all the other Artie Brain guys, right? Yep. And uh, like grow like growing up, are you from like a musical or a creative type of family? Like what what was it like growing up in your family to like that that you think maybe influenced your creativity and your music? Well, I'm definitely from a creative family. Um, my father is a painter, mm-hmm. um, and at times has been a professional painter. Now he's retired and he's just basically painting full time. Uh, so there's that. As far as music goes, uh, I have you know aunts and uncles and grandparents who were musical. Neither of my parents were, uh, although my brother. I have a twin brother, and he is an opera singer. So, wow, really? so yeah, we we both were. I mean, we were listening to a lot of music in the house when we were kids, uh, but yeah, my parents didn't play instruments or anything like that. But you had like a fair exposure to to a lot of different yeah. cultural things. I mean, not yeah. not just music, I assume, but like literature, film. Because I, I, you know, I know you, you're you're kind of like well versed in a lot of different things. But like, so so, when when do you kind of notice like a hard rock or heavy metal or you know or something of that nature and, and stick to that? I think it was uh, I was probably like ten or something like that, and I was listening to Nirvana. Now that, that was a big one. Um, yeah. So Nirvana, and then. 
I got Ride the Lightning uh, it, not too long after. Um, and from there, I think... I was talking to you guys earlier, actually, about uh, liking ECW when I was a kid. <laughs> and uh, watching ECW, I... I uh, I was watching like a Rob Van Dam match. Yeah, he comes out to walk. <laughs> he comes yeah. out to walk, and I was like, "What's this? Yeah, this, is a great <laughs> this is the heaviest thing I've ever heard in my life." So I got really into Pantera after that. Like, you got Sandman coming out to yeah. enter Sandman. Yeah. Uh huh. So, uh, so all those bands, and then, so I've known Dan from Artificial Brain for for my entire life. Next, yeah, um, that was my next question: is like, are you and Dan getting into heavy metal together? Not or? quite. He was a little bit before me, yeah. so I, I was already into all this heavy stuff. And that was kind of, we were, like, getting into that stuff in, in parallel, but uh, he got into, like, death metal and that kind of thing before I did. So I was going over to his house uh, when I was, you know, 13 or something like that, uh, and he would be playing, like, South of Heaven. South of Heaven was one I remember that I was like, this is the scariest I, I was terrified. It was like the scariest thing I'd ever heard. Yeah, man. I felt like wrong listening to it. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if this is for me. And then yeah. the next day I was like, well, that was, that was kind of cool. That's when heavy metal was really <laughs> fun, man. I love yeah. all this hell stuff. This yeah. Weird. yeah. Um, so then, like, but he was, you know, at the same time, we were, like, on the internet finding, like, Carcass and Cryptopsy and all those kinds of bands. So I got into that stuff pretty quick. And then the first death metal record I bought was uh, Spiritual Healing by Death. Wow. Mm, awesome. Yeah. And are you playing guitar at that point already? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. I started to take it really seriously at, like, around then. So, because, like, for artificial brain fans, or just, be, you know, listeners in general, you're primarily a guitarist, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and you just ha- uh, happen to play bass in um, in artificial brain, you know? I, I don't, like, I, I'm not a musician, like, obviously, you know, but do you think that, like, informs your style of bass playing? I think so, yeah. Um, I think it, you know, when... When I started playing bass in Artificial Brain, I really hadn't ever played bass seriously before. I'd, like, learned some, you know, jazz stuff, like, uh, solos or whatever when I was a kid, like, half-assed, you know? Played, like, Donna Lee or something. But, uh... But I... I I really needed to figure out my approach, and it was, like, all that I had to go on was mostly guitar playing, and so I think that's part of why... Like when I'm writing bass lines, I'm uh, I'm really trying to like approach it from a melodic um, uh, I don't know perspective or, or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to like find little crevices for for melodies in the songs. And have you and Dan been playing guitar together or jamming together in some respect for a, a long time before you started Artificial Brain? Well, not not exactly. So before Artificial, well, I I lived in. Boston. I went away to mm-hmm. school in Boston for for several years, and when I came back home in 20, uh, 2008, um, he said, "Let's start a band." He had had Cyanide Breed going that whole time, and that was uh, what he was most focused on. Mm-hmm. So then, when I moved back home, we decided to start a band together, and that was, I think, around the time that the Black Flux came out, which is a virus record uh, that that we really loved. And so we, we were toying with doing like a rock band kind of, like an avant-garde like rock band that sounded a little bit like Virus. And we wrote some songs in that vein. Mm-hmm. Um, and around that time, we reconnected with Keith, who was never like 
a friend, really, but kind of ran in, in um, adjacent circles. He was a little bit younger than us. Uh, and Keith, like, for some reason, Dan's brother, who's a drummer who played drums in the Cyanide Breed, uh, challenged Keith to, like, a blast <laughs> competition. Yeah, <laughs> great. Yeah, and and, uh, and Dan was, like, supposed to be the judge. He didn't know Keith at all, yeah. but uh, he declared Keith the winner. <laughs> and then just because of Keith's skill set and being so good at blasting and all that, uh, the avant-garde rock band very quickly turned into a, to a death metal band. Yeah, and, Keith. Uh, yeah, and well, I got these blast beats, so yeah. uh, I got to use them somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so what had uh, what was going to be a three-piece? rock band with me on bass and him on guitar then turned into you know like Jonathan who was good friends with Keith yeah because John uh, kind of comes with the package <clears throat> with Keith right yeah, yeah yeah so Jonathan was like you know already he played in a band with Dan that never got off the ground called Monster Fight uh, <laughs> that's a great name and, too and actually one of their songs became a revocation song later hmm. um, but that band uh, yeah so they were already playing together and John said like you know can I yeah. can I jam with you guys and that's why uh, he ended up in the band, and so for the first couple of, first like, two or three shows that we played, we played like five, five or six shows before Will was in the band. Uh, Dan and I were the singers, and then we had uh, a friend step in for two of them, and we were already putting out feelers at that point for, uh, for a full-time singer. And and then this is all also this is also before. Dan is in revocation, right? You formed yeah. Artificial Break. Yeah. So that's also just like something maybe that's um, to dispel maybe uh, a, a, a miscommunication that's some misinformation out there. Artificial Brain actually started before Dan Gargiulo joined Revocation. Yeah, well, yeah. So when I was living in Boston, I, I was friendly with the Revocation guys. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I went to the same school as Dave. And uh, so we all hung out together, and we showed... Um, me and a few other friends who lived both on Long Island and then moved to Boston, including some of the guys who ended up in ramming speed. Um, we, or the singer, I guess is the only one. We, we sent the summon the spawn revocation EP to Dan. Cause we thought it was up his alley. And he was like, I need to join this band. <laughs> <laughs> well. So he learned all the songs by ear and yeah. he like tried out and he joined the band. Here we are. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 10 yeah. years later. He's yeah, man. Wow. Yeah, that that's that's pretty amazing, man. And um, yeah. And then you know, I, I I obviously you know I came down and kind of tried out for Artificial Brain, and there was there's been a lot of growing pains <laughs> over the years, uh, learning to work with Dan's schedule. Obviously, as he got busier yeah. with revocation, and you know, there was a period where Keith was go upstate going to school, and our good friend <laughs> Pete Christopher uh, played drums at a few rehearsals. Yeah, we, we were writing with him a little bit. Yeah, there was, was yeah, there's there's a, a lot of different like periods, man. And uh, but I, I you know. Uh, I'm I'm really happy with um with just the outcome and you know we've kind of been reflecting on that we've been in a period of inactivity a lot uh, yeah. except for like behind the scenes writing a lot you know um I kind of want to like press pause on like the artificial brain me joining artificial brain because we we kind of like caught up to speed to that uh, people can go out and get the demos and the albums this isn't like the Motley Crue uh, you know biopic <laughs> before we're dead you know what I mean so let's cut right now and maybe like artificial brain fans that that are listening like. You know, I, I don't try to pump my own bands every week. You guys know that. So, like, we'll take a minute now. People ask me, like, what is your take on where the new material is, is going for the, for the third album? And, like, <clears> what, what, would, what, do, what would you say or what are you saying when people ask you that? Um, well, I guess it's 
it's probably a bit more black metal, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not sure. It, it's it's a little bit hard to describe. I, I guess it's it's probably uh, a bit further in a direction that infrared was going. I, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I, that's that's because that, that's the thing. Like I, I also when somebody asked me that, uh, I was on that dissonant conjecture podcast. They asked mm-hmm. me that, and the first thing that came into my head was to say it's a little more black metal. But that's like that, like that could mean a lot of things to a lot of people. Yeah, I think it's just more like that, um, that kind of dissonant darkness in in the riffing style. It's just it's getting a little more abstract and dark. Whereas the the brutal drumming, the blast beats, it's and and, and once you know I put the vocals there, it's it's going to be artificial brain. But I think it's going to be a little more. <laughs> Maybe like evil or sinister sounding is a good yeah, word to yeah, use. Yeah, it might be. Where it's it's yeah. so hard to tell without any of the... Because uh, at this point, what we're talking about is just like demo guitar tracks with like fake drums. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like, the, you yeah. know, the bass parts of like um, only a couple of them have been really fleshed out and, you know, the vocal parts we don't have. So mm. it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty early. So it's, it's kind of hard to... To envision, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, I, I know with the vocals, uh, with the vocals, I'm, I'm planning on kind of. I'm not not breaking the mold, but just trying to challenge myself, like I always do. I, you know, I don't know what I can say about that, but lyrically, I'm trying to take things in a little bit of a darker direction. I think, um, you know, I'm not just gonna go straight up, you know, dead hookers and zombies, death metal, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I think I want to go in maybe more of a dark more macabre realm of science fiction uh you know we'll, we'll see what happens but i just kind of want you know we got you down in the studio we got sam smith from artificial brain in here people are going to say why didn't you guys talk about artificial brain so i figured <laughs> we you know we'd run that past and we are you know we do have plans behind the scenes there's a lot going on with other bands and that's kind of like my segue into all your other bands man but you know people can rest assured we're working on material we're playing that show july 7th uh yeah, at brooklyn bazaar with uh embalmer Mortal Suffering and Convulse from Finland, one of three U.S. shows they're playing this summer. Um, so you know, maybe maybe by then you know people will know we'll have a little more to tell people or show people. But you know, that's that's what's up with artificial brain. Um, now, just kind of, I, I needed that. Thank you guys. Like, yeah. I, I don't want to ask. I don't want to say anything. But you know, you're on the podcast. Well, you know, I don't want to do like the it's Will from Artificial Brain podcast. Here's more artificial brain. You know what I mean? Like, but you know, we we should kind of talk about it. And I got Sam in the building, so we can get kind of like another. Another brain on this, you know, two brains are better than one. Right? <laughs> I love it. We had, uh, yeah, man. We had, uh, all right. So um, one day we'll get like all five, all six, seven. We'll get Polo and Oleg and everybody. We'll get, have everybody drunk in here, Tom, man. Tyler, yeah, yeah, Kenny. We, <laughs> it's like there's a bunch of people, man. Um, but now I wanted to talk a little bit about Gatsemini. Uh, that was like. Paulo's kind of like pet project, yeah. his brainchild, right? And that's in 2014. That's kind of like the first time you venture outside artificial brain to do another project, like. It- uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think so. Um, so that was well, I'm not even actually on any of those recordings. You know, I just played some. I played a show with them, mm-hmm. and we were writing, and then that that it pretty much just you know stagnated. I guess we were stuck on the writing process because. I can say without any shame because I'm not on it that 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 demo is awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, there was a a lot to live up to, I guess, and the material that was coming out, we we just didn't feel like was uh, doing justice to the demo, and so it just got shelved for a while. But you know, we've periodically talked about starting it back up. I think it's just it's pretty much up to up to Paolo at this <laughs> point. Yeah, I know he had extremely lofty. 
expectations for that band. Yeah. Um, very specific. I, at one point, uh, I even kind of, they brought me into him and Ian. Uh, we should have mentioned also Ian Jackson. Um, and I, I, this always bothers me. His name is not spelled uh, J-A-C-K-S-O-N, like, you know, like Michael. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, it's uh, J-A-C-Y-S-Z-Y-N. Polish fellow, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, but it's, you know, Ian Jackson, the drummer, very talented drummer. People might know him from his work in Castavet, Cop Premises, Pillory. Um, and you met him in Boston, right? I did. I actually met him at Berkeley Orientation. Okay. Um, I was wearing a His Hero Is Gone shirt, and he was wearing a Jagged Jazzist shirt. Uh, and we like saw each other in the hallway and kind of pointed <laughs> at each other and we're like, whoa! <laughs> <What's up? laughs> yeah. So then we, we talked for a while and, and became friendly. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I knew him. I kind of I knew um, the members of, of Castavet uh, separately from each other from you know from, from Biolich and then that. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and. In 2014, this is kind of like this is the first time that you're in a, in a band with Ian, but it's not going to be the last time. Yeah. Uh, and you also got Nick McMaster, who people might know from Kralis uh, and mm-hmm. Castavet um, on bass, uh, and Paulo on guitar and vocals. Like we said, it was Paulo's kind of pet project. Is these two songs? It's funny because you could listen to these two songs kind of casually while you're doing the dishes or driving or whatever. And you're like, wow, those are pretty sick death metal songs, very well executed. But once you really listen to it and sit down with it, there's like so much. Uh, like subtlety and and the, the, yeah. the execute and with the, like the painstaking process these guys went through for like I think it was two years just to get this two song demo just the way they wanted it or just the way Paulo envisioned it I guess um, really amazing stuff and you downplayed it a little bit but what was the show you played with them oh well yeah so the the show was uh, was the pre MDF show mm-hmm. uh, was with Incantation mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know some other band Funebrarum I think. <laughs> It was like it was a bunch of really cool bands. Sick. It's hard to remember. Funibarum. Just uh, if the listeners are unfamiliar, obviously, man. Uh, Funibarum, classic New Jersey, New York City area uh, death uh, doom band, like like more that old school doomy, grimy death metal. And Phil Tugas is actually working with them now, right? Yeah, yeah. He wasn't at the time, but yeah, yeah. he's in he's in that band. Now. Yeah, so that's just like another. I mean, that dude's everywhere. It's yeah, like, it's like Funibar. It's like peanut butter and jelly. All right, they're both sick. Let's see what they do together. You know, it's great, man. Um, but uh, yeah, like so. So getting getting back on track, that Gethsemane uh, show that show that was also did you cover what was it a My Dying Bride cover? Yeah, we covered uh, the Forever People, mm-hmm. which is uh, a My, Di- My Dying Bride song that's kind of like a, it's, you know. People associate them with with like this mournful doom thing, um, but that's like just like a really primitive kind of death metal song. So mm-hmm. it seemed uh, we we wanted to uh, pad the set a little bit, and <laughs> we really thought that song was was cool and a good fit. So yeah, yeah with two songs, I guess it's <laughs> yeah. We played some we played some stuff that that um, was being written at the time mm-hmm. as well. I think there was like one or two other songs. But that, that's that's awesome, man. And and I believe there's a YouTube video of that uh, my dying bride cover just for the listeners if they want to check that out, man. And that's also obviously Polo from our Ping with Polo episode, uh, the classic, legendary, popular heavy heavy hole podcast uh, episode. With is Polo. there a reason he gets brought up every episode? Yeah, yeah. man. This is, this is, the, this is the heavy every Polo episode. podcast. Yeah. You know that the heavy hole Polo cast. Um, <laughs> So, well, you know, I wanted to talk about that a little bit um, because 2015 then is when you begin Luminous Vault, right? Yeah, yeah. And Luminous Vault is just a two-man band with you and um, Mario Diaz de Leon. Yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. Um, well, so when that band started, that was another uh, situation where I joined after the demo. Actually, like pretty much 
every band that, I, that I'm in, except for <laughs> Artificial Brain is a band that I joined after the demo. You want to make sure um, things are good. You want to see if the dust settles. Make the bed before I sleep in exactly, it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so Luminous Vault was um, a project with uh, with Andrew mm-hmm. and, and Mario, and so they did the Communion EP, and then I joined uh, right after that, uh, before, um, yeah, before they were going to play a show. So we debuted that at Martyr Doom, um, and then we played with, like, we played the next show, like, a day later with Malthusian at Lucky 13, which was really cool. Um, and, you know, since, yeah, since, uh, what, later that year or early next year or something like that, it's been a two-piece uh, with me and Mario, and so then we did the Charismata uh, EP, and we are in the middle of recording a full length now. Okay, awesome. And that Charismata EP came out on Profound Lore. Yeah, that's right. Uh, who also puts out Artificial Brain and put out um, Cast of Ed and, you know, tons of other bands. Uh, the listeners should be familiar with, with Profound Lore by now. We've recommended a lot of their stuff. And it was a 12 inch vinyl, it was 45 RPM. Yeah. Uh, what's uh, what's the reasoning behind that? Like, what's the. Was there a specific reason? Is it Just, sound quality? Yeah, or? sound quality. That's awesome. All right, yeah. that's cool. You don't you don't see that very often for a twelve inch man. That's cool. Um, so, I want to talk about this band a little bit. Maybe let's start by like talking a little bit about Mario, because uh, you know even before Luminous Vault, we I, I've I've known Mario. He's been in our local kind of like extended network of New York City yeah. metal musicians and stuff. But he's more of a, well, maybe talk about his background musically. Well, so Mario is a uh, is a classical composer um, and electronic musician as well. Uh, so he had a, a long running band called Oneirogen that uh, that's played a lot of shows, you know, all over the place and around New York that we we would have, you know, maybe people would have seen. Uh, that's like it's like electronic industrial type thing, often with guitars, not always. Um, but yeah, at the same time he was doing that, he was doing classical uh, composition, kind of sort of minimalist uh, classical composition. Um, he he put out a record on John Zorn's label, Sadiq, called uh, "Enter Houses of." I think that's the one that's on Sadiq. Um, yeah, he's he's a brilliant musician, and so now the uh, the Oneirogen type material that he's putting out, he's doing under his own name. Mm-hmm. Um, to try to kind of meld the classical stuff with his electronic work. But wow, that he, sounds really interesting. Okay. Yeah, he's also he's a he's an educator. He's a um, music composition. I mean, uh, well, he has a he's a PhD in music composition, but he's uh, he's a teacher who does I guess electronic music um, and that kind of thing. Um, recording classes uh, previously at Columbia and now at Stevens in New Jersey. Oh. Okay, a, a very accomplished man, and that's uh, Mario Diaz uh, de Leon. Just for the listeners, if you want to check out his stuff, and now this, I would, I guess, describe this as kind of like I know on the Bandcamp it says like Greek, old school Greek black metal influenced, yeah. uh, more like industrial doom death metal. Man, it sounds to, it sounds to me honestly like a perfect melding of doomy, uh, like regal, like like Satan's royal army militaristic black metal, god flesh. And like really subtle new wave. Yeah, maybe, yeah, definitely. You know? I, I think the new wave thing was something, you know, on the tape. Uh, before I joined the band, I, I came in and I was like, this part sounds like Depeche Mode. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. I was, <laughs> Which I, I love Depeche Mode, so mm-hmm, that was, yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they, were, they were into it too. But uh, 
Yeah, so, and the, the, the Greek black metal thing, I think, is is a reference to um, specifically Rotting Christ. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's there's a there's an album that, that kind of sounds a bit like what we're going for, uh, Triarchy of Lost Loves, I think it's called. Okay. Um, yeah. Wow, I, I got I to gotta get into Rotting Christ a little more, man. I've heard some of their newer material, man, but... Uh, yeah, it's worth checking out yeah. the old stuff. Yeah, definitely. Is, and, now, and now, how about, is it kind of... Is it intentional, um, maybe, to have a little bit of a Godflesh influence, or is it just the melding of extreme metal and more of an industrial, like you know, percussive element? Yeah, the, the Godflesh thing is definitely um, a touchstone. We uh, we've talked about them a lot, and uh, you know, just like the the quality of drum samples that we're trying to use, and like really leaning into the electronic aspects and like the drum machine as- aspects. That's like you're not trying to hide the fact that you're doing it. It's like yeah. very intentional. It's like it's not yeah. superior drummer it's it's like this is electronic in nature yeah yeah i noticed that because the it's it's not like something like libido airbag where like the um the drums are all over the place like techno or something it's like these very straightforward uh strong one two hits but every once in a while i'll notice like a little layered sound in there like that's more of like your um I don't know, you're 80, like something you'd associate more with like 80s electronic music for a snare hit, and it's kind of like layered in there very mm-hmm. nicely, and it, it gives it that new wave, almost like a gothic element or something, yeah, and a lot yeah. of atmosphere, very atmospheric band. Um, and so, did did you guys pr- uh, record this yourself and produce this yourself, the, the Charismata EP, I should yeah, say? Yeah, we, we did. We recorded the Charismata EP ourselves and, and uh, mixed it and set it off for mastering elsewhere. And the same is going to be true for the new one. Um, yeah, which is, we've we've basically finished recording, well, we've re- finished all the instruments. Uh, we just have to do vocals, and then awesome. we're, we're going to mix it ourselves and send it off for mastering. Uh, is that coming out on Profound Lore? Uh most likely, yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. Still, still working it out, man. Um, is there any any stylistic changes, or you say you're just kind of pursuing the same road? I, I, I would say, yeah, that it's that it's more. I think that it's slightly more melodic, and that it's um, more electronic. We're leaning into that a little further. Uh, some of the interludes and some of the, um, I don't know, like some of the drum programming is just like way more akin to like something that you might expect to hear on an Irogen record. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah. You know you know who not obviously completely this completely left field different style of of metal uh, melding with electronic music from what Luminous Vault is doing but uh, another band that I think leaned pretty hard into the electronic element on their last album, Entheos. I don't know if you heard the, the latest Entheos. I, I've heard like a song or two, and and yeah, yeah totally. That's <laughs> yeah. I, it's something I thought about when I was listening to that too. It's like it's a it's a pretty different take on it, but it's it's a similar like concept or, or something. Yeah, well, yeah, like I just noticed kind of like from their last few albums on this one, they just went totally all in with the electronic <laughs> yeah. and the synths and yeah. the, whatever they're using, the atmosphere, man, and it worked really good, man. So that's cool, man. Um, and that's and Luminous Vault is an act you've taken on the road. You've, you've toured yeah, with we've, that. Yeah, we've done um, two tours, both small. One was like, I don't know, a week or two with uh, Imperial Triumphant. Mm-hmm. And then we did like a three-day tour ourselves, three or four-day tour ourselves, where we went down to like Richmond and Baltimore. And uh, talk about playing live. It's a laptop that you have everything yeah, on, right? Yeah, so we have a laptop, um, and that has all the drums and synths and everything. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we both sing, and recently we've, sta- we've like uh, started using lights 
So a big part of Mario's uh, aesthetic, I guess, is that he, he's like he's incorporating lots of um, interesting uh, light elements. Uh, something he's been doing for for a while now in other contexts, but like now with his electronic stuff, something I saw the other day, he had like uh, colored lights uh, programmed along with. Uh, he doesn't have on a pair of goggles, does he? <laughs> <laughs> not, he's not not stealing Listen, his Mario. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Season desist coming out. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm listening. I'm listening. He's got like a DMX controller kind of thing that he's like programming. Uh, it was so it's it's just we have like uh, six or something um, stage lights that mm-hmm. are are programmed. Uh, in I think I guess in logic uh, mm-hmm. that yeah we've just like he's programmed along with the songs and we have kind of color palettes that were uh, that were you know envisioning mm-hmm. along with the songs and yeah so that's the past like three or four shows we've been using oh actually for that for that short tour we did we were using them too uh, and that's been an interesting. It like makes up a little bit for the lack of a drummer on stage. We yeah. need, you know, gotta put on a show, man. Yeah, gotta, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We need Paint, to it, it a little bit. Paints the the, the full picture. At yeah. least like yeah. Well, gets you gets you all the way there. We that's something we were talking, and we've actually we've discussed in the future. We want to do episodes um, specifically discussing uh, bands that use drum machines or ba- bands that basically compensate for not having or or, or who's you know. Uh, part of their um, mode of expression is not having a drummer, having another percussive element, whether, whether it's a drum machine or a laptop, whatever the case is. Why computers are okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay computer. Um, what are some of the pros... Wrong podcast. What are some of the pros and cons of not having a drummer and playing on stage with that uh, that laptop? Well, um, it. I would say sound checks can be tricky. Uh and if we're in the middle of a bill, that can be tricky too. It's really it's that that band. I mean, we've had to do this a number of times, like play in the middle of a bill. But that band is really better off playing either first or last. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because there can be all sorts of technical problems. But also, it just takes a while to set up. Even you know drums do too. But like with the lights and and making sure you know the mix is right coming out of the computer and whatever, the sound guy knows what he's doing. Like. It, it, it can be um, a bit of a hassle, but traveling's really easy, and you know, like frankly, splitting money at the end of the night is pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, so traveling, you guys just like go in a, in a car, like a sedan. Yeah, yeah, we just—that's what we did the last tour. We just, great. It was like a four-door four car, yeah, yeah, getting like a cool, Ford man. Focus and hit the road. Yeah, 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 man. I mean, at that point, if I brought somebody to drive and do merch, I would feel lazy. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Um, and uh, all right, so I, I mean, you know, moving on a little bit, then we get to uh, Averturn, which another band that you joined. Yeah, uh, I don't believe you're on that two-song EP. I'm not. No. Okay, uh, but I do want to talk about that. I think the listeners could really benefit from that if they haven't heard it yet. Um, that's uh, Eric, how do you say Eric's last name so I don't butcher it? I I think it's Risk. Eric Risk. Okay, yeah, another. It looks to me the the Z before the K. Maybe another yeah. Polish name. Okay, my the reason my name is Will Smith has a long convoluted story about my. My grandfather changing the name from Wizbicki, the Polish name. Mm. So I'm, you know, anybody like that, I noticed that. All right, so Eric, Eric uh, Risk from uh, uh, Flourishing, mm-hmm. and also uh, Garrett. Uh, these guys with the last names, man. I'm sorry, Busenik. I think so. All right, Garrett Busenik, <laughs> great guy. Garrett put us up at the house that time. Yeah. I love Garrett on vocals and guitar. Also from Flourishing, did some time in Wet Nurse. Uh, you know, another New York City guy. Yeah, that's been Tombs around. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tombs uh, and Ian, and and here we see Ian Jackson on drums again. Yeah. Um, they put out the uh, two-song uh, Sireless EP, 7-inch, uh, uh, 2018. That came out on Polo's label, P2. 
So right off the bat, you know it's got to be sick. Um, and it is, man. That stuff is like you're not on you're not on the EP, so you can like describe it with you know you can objectively talk about it, maybe you know. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it's um, well, you know, I, I heard it uh, well before it came out. It, it had been recorded for a while before um, before they did anything with it because of art and uh, you know, finding a name and things like that. Uh, so when I I heard it probably a year before I joined the band, and I thought it was just like. It's really um, there's a lot of like consideration for texture that I think is is really cool. Like uh, the effects are really tasteful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like dissonant death metal, but when you say that now, it's almost like <laughs> it's, <yeah. laughs> I, I, I don't know. When I when I hear someone describing a band as dissonant death metal at this point, I kind of like maybe shy shy away because it's it's so oversaturated that you know that that kind of music but this is really the um the drumming is really melodic um there's yeah like you can hear right now there's like you know ian puts a lot of attention into crafting patterns that are you know not just like your standard way of framing a riff in death metal um but also that like the structures are kind of like in-depth it, precision he puts into. I yeah, know. I know yeah, how he is. Yeah, yeah he's. Yeah. He's. I mean, he's your drummer for like a really precise project. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's. He's. He really thinks about like melodicism and timbre, and also is like very serious about the momentum of a song. Um, and so, if if there's like a part that's kind of stalling the uh, song, he'll really work <laughs> mercilessly to to. Uh, <laughs> To get it to flow right, so it's it's really cool working with him, but uh, but yeah, so I think it lends the music this like really focused and and, and at times kind of like hypnotic uh, vibe. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's it's cool. And what you said on the dissonant thing, I know what you mean because nowadays you say dissonant and it's like you think it's gonna have like uh, you know kind of like space picture on the front cover and sound kind of like gore guts uh, cleaned up. You know, production style or whatever, but like, no, this is, it's got that, it's got almost a grimy old school kind of like finish or European like sound to it. But what I notice is every once in a while he'll go into, and you, you expect maybe like a, um, uh, a nice, uh, like long, uh, melodic lead, and it just ends up being like one or two notes, yeah, uh, held out unnaturally long through these effects or, or whatever's going on there, man. And it has it, it adds such an atmosphere. It gives it such like a creeping doom kind of sense to it, man. That's that's the part that really shined for me. I guess that's Garrett, yeah. uh, his writing, man. And yeah, it's really understated. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, really, really cool. Amazing to see those guys come from Flourishing because that mm-hmm. was a band... Flor- I mean, you know, I, I'm going to... Uh, we were talking before we started recording. I brought for my old selection tonight for the album recommendations a classic New York City band that not so many people know, but Flourishing, another New York City band that maybe doesn't get enough credit, um, that's something that, that people who maybe are into, like, the, you know, I, I don't know, like, people, like, artificial brain listeners or, or people who are into, like, the kind of the Colin Marston scene, for, for lack of a better term, you know, like, all these bands, uh, you know, that, that Flourishing is another New York City-based band uh, from a few years back that's really great to get into, and um, Ava Turn just amazing to see him paired up with Ian who's such a particular drummer um, and it's a different sound I think the flourishing drummer had his own style and and you know this is a, a totally different style of you know percussion yeah. so yeah and just like this the songs I think I was really into flourishing you know mm-hmm. I, I remember I saw them back at the lit lounge a, a couple of times yeah. I think and I really like those records 
some of uh, some of all fossils. I think is is uh, I was really into that one, especially yeah, like around the time we were starting Artificial Brain. I think yeah, and and yeah. Uh, and so yeah, but that band is way more um, I don't know broad or something like that. There's it's it's not all over the place, but it goes in a lot of different directions. A lot They're more structure, a lot more territory. Whereas yeah, yeah Avaturn is way more I, I think focused on a. On like a, a very specific vibe. A return is a, is definitely a straightforward creepy death metal experience. I've talked on the show. It's this kind of like like Sam, Sam 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 knows a little too well how I can get worked up sometimes when I get passionate <laughs> about things. But but that's we'll, we won't talk about that. But I've gotten worked up about this concept I call the metal of death, and it's like it's like not necessarily all death metal is metal of death. You know what I mean? It's yeah. kind of like. Uh, like bands like Cyanide or like 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 Piss Grave, like real creepy atmosphere band. Ava Turn is almost there for me with that man. Like all all they got to do is like you know kill somebody. So no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> but, yeah, you can uh, hear more about uh, Will's thoughts on the Medal of Death at the end of our Ulther at Vitus episode. It, it was it warms my heart that you included that in there. I thought it was just gonna get chopping room floor. Uh, yeah, it's great, man. But Ava turned just such a dark atmosphere, and like I said, those leads and the, like what he does with the with the guitar and the effects pedals on that man, really amazing atmosphere to that band. So, what's uh, going on now with Ava Turn? Are you just a live member, or are you? No, no, with them? I'm, I'm in the band. Yeah, okay. I, I uh, so there's a full length being worked on uh, that I contributed to, uh, like a riff here or there, and and a bunch of bass ideas, and I played uh, guitar on a lot of tracks and and bass on a song. So that is all the... I believe everything is tracked at this point, uh, so we're just going to send that out for mixing to uh, Sanford Parker, I believe. Okay. And then, yeah, mastering, um, not sure where, and, yeah, take care of the artwork. Could could still be a while, because um, we haven't... Yeah, like, the artwork stuff, I'm not sure how long that'll yeah. end up taking, but... Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's all the tracking's done. So. And and who did you record with, or did you record yourself? We did that one ourselves as well. Okay. Ian uh, went to school for production that's, engineering, so yeah, that's right. So Ian he, does he that tracks. Stuff. He track. He did. He tracked and mixed the uh, the Sireless EP. Okay. And he also recorded the uh, Gathsman stuff. So. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I said the Colin Marston scene. Uh, before, but I kind of just meant that to include like this expanded family oh, yeah. we have and of act- people. Well, yeah, actually, be- I mean, because Ian played drums on the record, he did record the drums at Collins uh, for uh-huh. both. Because yeah, recording yourself on drums, I don't, I don't think it's much fun. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and Collins' room is really great too. So yeah, yeah man, yeah, that's that sounds uh, stressful, man. But um, yeah, sometimes you got to call Colin. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, um, and uh, is that is it coming out on a label? Are you still working that out? Or, you know. Yeah, we're still working that out. Okay. I, I don't think we're going to make a decision as far as that goes until it's done, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that a lot of labels, uh, certainly our experience with Profound Lore, it's like you want a finished product before you send them something. So Yeah, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. That That's a good point, man. Um, may, you know, maybe just briefly to, to, to touch on that, because a lot of people... Um, even friends of mine who are in other bands, uh, you know, or, or whatever, like people like act like, uh, like I got Chris Bruni from Profound Lore on Speed Dial, and I can see, yo, yo Chris, you got to sign these guys, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. and the record's gonna drop next month. <clears throat> I, you know, I don't have his ear like that, um, and he's uh, he's passed on signing projects I've been involved in, so it's not like I could just say this is my buddy's band and it's gonna go, you know. It's and and just I think that's probably a common experience for for most people who get signed to some sort of independent label. 
Uh, everyone wants you know to get signed and to get your stuff out, so you're going to look to your friends who are signed and see what they did. Um, and, and, and a lot of independent labels, they, they're uh, shoestring budget all around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially so, for a first release for a mm-hmm. band. You exactly. know, you don't want to like if you like. Let's say uh, some band like records a full length and then sends like an unmixed version to a label. That yeah. label, I mean, what if the mix that band gets is like garbage? <laughs> like, yeah. does that label then want to yeah. sink? Yeah. extra money in for a, like a remix or whatever just because like it's way easier if you just have a, a polished finished product you know mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's part of the grind like yeah. finish mm-hmm. the whole thing before you yeah. you know send your demos over. Yeah. it's not it's not the 90s anymore you know like, yeah. thank you because that was that was a point I wanted to bring up some of my friends uh, some of my, my friends around my age I'm, I'm 37 you know uh, coming up man and, and you know I get it but uh, the, people think it's, it's the 90s it's not man you're competing with tons of other bands who all have access to great production nowadays because of computers. You can have it on your iPhone. You can record a death metal album on your iPhone or your laptop nowadays, and it can sound, you know, passable, man, if you know what you're doing. So, like, the, the whole playing field has changed since the 90s. The labels don't have as much money to throw around on, on blowjobs and limos and stuff. It's just, yeah. it's, you know, it's not, it's, come on, man. It's, yeah. it's not that, that's not that way. And even <laughs> if it was, like, you know, we're, we're, you know, artificial brain with profound lore, Chris Bruni and Profound Lore have done a lot for, for for the band and all that, but it's you know it's not like we're we're paying our, our bills and and you know feeding kids off of this yeah. type of you know it's it's death metal, and um, the whole point being, uh, like Sam said, you know, invest in your band, invest in a quality album that has the mixing, the mastering, the cover art, uh, you know, everything you want on it, the guest appearance from your from your buddies and the other band locally or whatever it is, you know, all that stuff, you know. Um, yeah, you want to go to a label and say, put this out. Mm-hmm. And, no and work this, needs yeah. to be done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and invest in your band. And before that, try to, if you can't play a lot of shows because, you know, the members live in different states or the, whatever the case is, then, you know, use the, use the internet and try to be creative and, and separate yourself <laughs> from the pack and do the merch deal and, you know, whatever you got to do, man. Like, get your name out there because labels, they want to they see exactly what they're going to be putting out. And they also want to know that you're working because when they invest all that money and put the record out, they want to know that you're at least going to be going on your social media and pushing it. You're going to be doing whatever you can to push it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and when I say investing in it, that's another thing. When I say, like, get, get your local friend to do the guest appearance or whatever, like, we get our, our buddies to do guest appearances and people we tour with will we'll call up and say, can you do a line here on the album? But some people, I feel like nowadays, get into this territory where you're paying people and like every song has a guest appearance by a guy in a more popular band. Yeah, yeah. And you're kind of like that's that's something a lot of that's like kind of like a pop music rap. So it's, uh, a, ra- yeah, it's a formula. Rap yeah. But I don't know that it works as well in death metal. It seems a little uh, weird now. There's, you there's know? no shortcuts. Is pretty much what we're yeah, saying. Yeah, it's, it's like you gotta, I, you, put, know, you gotta put the work in. You know, I, I could see paying paying one or two guys that who you really respect and look up to, and that's the way you can get them on the song that you wrote with them in mind. But it's like when you just look down, and it's like featuring, 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 featuring. You know, it's kind of. Uh, you know, again, investing in your band, just get the best quality product out of your bandmates and you, and and present it to the labels, and like that. That also kind of ties a little bit into the selling tickets to to play a show or pay to play yeah, thing. Yeah. Like that money is so much better spent on a quality recording, especially nowadays when all you need is the quality recording. You don't got to pay to press up CDs or sit there and dub tapes like like bands of generations past yeah, have had to do. Or you don't even you need know. to play shows. I mean, yeah, like, you know how many how many like bands have gotten big through Bandcamp have like yeah. never played a show or like have members. In all different countries, you can make a YouTube channel and an Instagram for your band and blow up overnight. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, you, you know, that's you how have, it is. Yeah, if you have like artwork that catches your eye and and uh, you know a good sounding record that goes yeah. a longer way than anything else now. 
Absolutely. So, you know, just, just want to touch on that because you're describing the, you know, this process you're going through with the Ava term behind the scenes. You want to make sure you have the, the final polished product how you want it before you present it to anybody. And that makes a lot of sense. To some people who grew up in the 80s and 90s, you might be like, well, you know, that's the label's job to invest in me. It's like, well, keep keep thinking that and see how far you get. You know, <laughs> Keep compete, bagging groceries and keep thinking that. that. Well, yeah, I'm going to be bagging groceries no matter how big artificial break is <laughs> or, you know, doing whatever my day job yeah. is. But, but you know, you, you, when you go on the road and stuff, it's it's nice to be able to um, to, to support the, the machine that you've built a little bit more. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's because you do it with smart investments into that machine. Man. But but getting on, Look man. Look on the bright like, side. You have full control yeah. of your creativity. Yeah, that's you know true. What I mean? <laughs> you know, and like, a lot of people gave that away by... You know, passing the job on to somebody else with a bigger, you know, deeper pockets. Yeah, man. But you know, en- enough Charles Schwab. Uh, you know, we got <laughs> we got Sam Smith in the building. We're talking about um, his projects, and there's one that we haven't touched on yet that you recently joined. Yeah. Uh, very special, and um, I don't know if I told you this, Justin. It involves a member of Psyopus, somebody who was involved in Psyopus. Go on. Uh, which is brought up fairly frequently here. We we, we love Psyopus on the podcast. Uh, let's talk about Fawn Limbs. Maybe you could give us a little background on the band and how you came to join. Well, uh, I mean that's pretty simple, I guess. They just asked me. <laughs> they, they, uh, well, so, um, Flex. I, I wasn't su- I wasn't super familiar with them to, to be perfectly honest. Um, so Fawn Limbs is a two piece. Was a two piece with uh, Eli Helen from uh, a band called Meyer Planner. Uh, and he does a number of other things. He's a Finnish guitar player uh-huh. and vocalist. And the drummer is Lee Fisher, uh, who is that's the member of Cypus mm-hmm. you were talking about. And he was also in Commit Suicide. Yes, Commit Suicide. Very special near to the hard band. I know for both of us, uh, yeah. Sam. Yeah. Well, yeah. So that uh, that's, I guess, my connection to Fawn Limbs is that, you know, I am an outspoken uh fan of Commit Suicide, particularly their record Synthetics. Yes. Which was, like, huge for me mm-hmm. uh, around... I don't know, what did that come out? Like, 2003 or something like that? So pro- probably when yeah. I was in high school. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that record is... It's a crazy technical death metal record that's, like, also super melodic. It's just, like, uh, great writing. And, and some and of the most amazingly nuanced drumming... Uh, re- yeah. In, in, a- absolutely. Yeah. So, Lee was, like, someone I was familiar with, yes. and... Uh, Artificial Brain played a show in Pittsburgh where Commit Suicide was based out of, and like after the show, the Laughing Moose, right? Smiling Moose, Smiling Moose. Yeah. Yes. After the yes. show, this guy came up to our van. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like, hey man, sorry I missed you guys. Like, uh, are, are you still have shirts? And we were like tired and we're ready to leave. We're like, oh man, like. Yeah, I guess we could open up the back. He's like, you know, I, I used to play at this place sometimes with my old band. We're like, oh, yeah, what's your old band? And he's like, commit suicide. And all of Artificial Brain and Piron just sort of like jumping up and down in the van and yeah. yell, yelling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that, that was the guitar player, Neil. And so then after we met him, like very shortly after that, I was on the Facebook page and we got like a like from Lee Fisher. Mm-hmm. And I made a long post <laughs> about like <laughs> Lee Fisher just liked this shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I ended up talking to him, and and then you know we stayed in touch a little bit, and all of the members of the band pretty much have, have uh, become friendly with him. He came out to a show. Um, I told him how much I admired his drumming, and then you know when uh, Fawn Limbs was planning on doing a full length, they decided to get a bass player, and they asked me, and I uh, yeah. So I'm I'm in the middle of recording that right now, actually. Uh, 
couple songs to go. Mm-hmm. I've just been doing that at home because, you know, we're all in different places, but that's been really, really fun. Yeah, I know you were telling me there's some things coming up that are going to be premiered. Yeah. Uh, we're going to try to time the release of this episode with the release of some of that new Four Limbs material, and uh, right now the listeners will know if we got it right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Because um, <clears throat> we do have a backlog of, uh, of episodes. We schedule things out. We'll try to make that work. Um, and this Four Limbs, it's wild shit, man. Yeah, it's, yeah, totally it's, like math rock like uh spazzy like weird time mm-hmm. kind of stuff mm-hmm. like uh it, it sort of reminds me a little bit of like um that like early 2000s metalcore kind of yeah, thing it's like old converge mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly yeah, like and, and I, kind of yeah thing. I, I and i was really I, I really like that stuff certainly like or like dillinger too yeah. you know mm-hmm. any of that kind of thing um, so it, and I've never played anything like that before, uh, so it was a fun challenge. Yeah, yeah, it, it sounds very challenging, man. And I don't even, you know, I'm not even a bass player, but uh, well, maybe, maybe know a little bit about the the writing process because you got a guy in Finland writing the stuff, and then the drummer, I guess, leaves bass out of what upstate New York or uh, Pennsylvania, somewhere in Pennsylvania. I don't, he doesn't live in Pittsburgh anymore, but okay. yeah, like somewhere out. Out, yeah. I think in PA. So I guess I mean he just wrote, does he does he like write all this stuff with like a drum pro type of thing or whatever. Yeah. So well, Eli records all the guitars um, and then programs drums, and Lee interprets the drums and just records his stuff at home, and uh, and then I just like Eli sent me the guitar and drums that he programmed and then some separate guitar tracks for if anything was a little unclear and I just wrote every like all the bass parts okay. there were like one or two suggested ones I think <clears throat> that he he did by like just doubling like uh, using a, um, a pitch shifter on the guitar uh, to like make a mock bass part there were a couple of those but uh, for the most part it was just like yeah I listened to it and, and did what seemed cool, <laughs> and they give you like cool. free reign over it, right? Like, yeah, for the yeah, most part, yeah. Really, like relaxed, uh, creative environment, and Great. like and we have uh, we have some some guests, uh, vocal guests on the album. Andrew from Bearing Teeth, and I believe Mitchell from Maruda is now going to be involved. All and right. with that too, it's just kind of like yeah, whatever you want to bring to the table. Like these are people that we all trust. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Bearing Teeth, uh, another band. Uh, you know, we're getting into a lot of suggestions for the listeners. Uh, you know, I, I think we've brought up Bearing Teeth on the podcast it before. Like, it was like the second episode we did. Yeah, think, yeah, from yeah. Texas. Like, from, um, yeah. Yeah. A band, I, you know, you, you, now, nowadays this dissonant word is kind of just becoming like one of those big umbrellas, but uh, just really interesting, jarring, kind of abstracted death metal from Texas, man. Yeah. Again, recommended for fans of the type of stuff we've been discussing on this episode. Um, Bearing Teeth, I believe that they, they had a, a, an album out recently. I think it was late last year, or yeah. early this year. Um. Uh, th- yeah, really good shit, man. Bearing teeth. Um, and I mean, we mentioned, you know, obviously you got everybody living in different places. Is there an intent to play live with this one day, or just building support and see where you go with it? I mean, right now, I don't think there are any concrete plans. Pro- I I wouldn't be surprised if we don't ever play live, just because of the nature of it. But oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. but with it's we've talked about it. Um, we talked about like playing a festival sometime maybe uh you know who who knows we'll have to see where the where the full length goes and where all this takes us it would definitely be difficult um 
not just from a logistics perspective, but like yeah. playing playing the songs live. Sounds yeah, so I mean that's yeah, that would be quite an undertaking. <laughs> yeah, man. you'd have to get somebody to like document that process. <laughs> yeah. That might be the first heavy hold documentary, if uh, if that if that takes place. Um, Love the idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you never know, man. Maybe an MDF thing or something. Who knows? I mean, that would be really nowadays. Cool, yeah. Nowadays, anything's possible. Who knows? Uh, so we talked about. All this different stuff you've been involved in, um, uh, you know. Obviously, artificial brains uh, kept very busy, and uh, you're you're a very scholarly man. You've kind of like been in school ever since I met you. Um, but what about uh, taking or giving guitar or, or instrument lessons? Have you ever, uh, like, in your in your adulthood outside of school, have you taken lessons in that capacity? Uh, not no, no, I haven't. I, I keep thinking about it, but like my being perpetually in school uh, yeah. kind of prevents me from like spending money on things like that of, yeah, <laughs> there are course, definitely yeah, people yeah. you know there are some some guitar players i would really like to study with uh if i had some money and time um i know mick Barr gives lessons from kralis okay uh, it'd be really cool to take a lesson or two with him and there you know some jazz guitar players it'd be it'd be interesting to uh to study with but that'll be in the future and as far as giving lessons um a, a few but nothing uh, i've never really tried to uh to put myself out there for for that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. No, I just just curious, man. And um, another question along those lines, I ask a lot of musicians: Do you have any plans to ever do uh, solo material, whether it be live or record material just by yourself? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, that's another thing that's pretty hard to find time for, but it's something I've been toying with more lately. Uh, a couple of different things. I mean, I I. Uh, I've, I've made a couple interludes for the artificial brain material um, that are like electronic type things and some other ones that we haven't used that, you know, I've, I've thought about like making a record of, of that sort of stuff, electronic mm -hmm. noise. Um, I've also, yeah, I mean, so Dan, uh, well, maybe I shouldn't say. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah, I I've toyed around with doing a, uh, a solo black metal record, too, and I, okay. I composed some stuff for um, a video I made for class kind of recently that, that, like, instrumental, like, super multi-layered, like, using uh, um, banjo and mandolin and instruments like that, and that was kind of fun, so I've toyed with doing that, but it's all just... Uh, Pipe dreams right now. We'll, we'll see. All right, man. So the fire, the fire's always burning. Yeah, 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 man. Wow. Um. Uh. So I mean that that kind of takes us to, like, I, you know, I mentioned before, like, I consider you a scholarly person. When we're we spend a lot of time in tour vans together, and yeah. you know, the, you know, backstage waiting to play or things like that. And I know you you read a lot. You kind of stay up on different things, man. We usually ask people to re recommend albums, but before we even get into that, I was hoping maybe you could talk a little bit, maybe recommend some books. Ed educate, culturize us and our <laughs> listeners. You know what I mean? Like, like what, like what have you been reading lately? What are some, uh, or maybe some, some movies you've seen lately? Well, uh, 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 I, I was just going to uh, really quickly a uh, very shallow question: Does Will change his socks as much as he says he does <laughs> on tour? Uh oh. Uh, yeah, actually, he does. All right, cool. Like, Will stays really. Story checks Will, out. I would say that Will is. The cleanest on, on tour, he's like the freshest member of Artificial Brain. Thank like, you. He, he's like you. he's gotten haircuts and shaves on tour. <laughs> Thank he's, you. Man. I've seen him buy jeans. Yep. I you know I've stayed the same shirt for a week. No. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the amount of hair and sweat on my body, I gotta I gotta keep that. You know, it's it's, it's 
out of respect for the, for my bandmates. You know All right. Well, I mean? well I, you know, I just wanted one hard hitting question for thank, myself. Thank. <laughs> you know what? I'm glad you called him out, man. Because Sam, thank you, man. I, I appreciate it, man. Cred- you know what credits do? I'll take it, man. You know, stay fresh, <laughs> ladies. All right. I'm sorry. Now, now back to the the deeper question. Oh, right. Uh, the so, literature. Okay. Books okay. and movies. Yeah, I had books, you know? whatever. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, books is honestly kind of hard because I just got finished with my semester. Uh, and I was taking several lit classes this semester, so I was reading, like, nonstop, and uh, I really haven't had time to read for pleasure at all. So, What, what were you reading for the lit classes? Um, well, Finnegan's Wake was one of them, the book by James Joyce that, like, everyone thinks is incomprehensible. That's uh, That was a pretty intense... That was an entire course uh, wow. of just Finnegan's Wake. Uh, so I wouldn't... I mean... If you're planning on taking a class, it was really rewarding, but I think there's no other way to read that book, so I wouldn't say that I'd recommend Finnegan's Wake. I read, uh, I took a Shakespeare class, I read um, a bunch of Shakespeare plays, and I wrote a paper on Timon of Athens, which is like a lesser-known Shakespeare play that, uh, it's really fascinating. Um, and what else? Um, I read a bunch of essays by, like, Amiri Baraka and W.E.B. Du Bois. But yeah, so like none of that's exactly fun reading. Uh, you know, stimulating yeah, no, maybe, some of it rewarding, yeah. but uh, um, yeah, so I haven't read too many books for fun uh, in a while, but I do. There is a book that I recommend to people very frequently okay. that I could, I could say is uh, High Rise by J.G. Ballard. Okay. I recommend it partially because it's pretty short, um, and it's not. Tremendously difficult, but it's it's uh, it's really it's a really fun read and it's uh, really kind of upsetting. Uh, a movie was uh, a movie adaptation was made a couple years ago by Ben Wheatley. I wasn't crazy with the movie, but uh, the book it's about like um, a high rise building in uh, in London or just outside of it. Uh, that has like all the amenities that anyone could ever need, like a supermarket and a- everything. So you it's just designed so that you don't have to leave. Oh, like the ten cent building in China. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. And uh, but like all of the um, the residents start kind of uh, staying in and not even going to work anymore. And like the building starts falling apart and it turns into this like insane like tribal warfare between like the top floors and the bottom floors Uh it's a it's a really uh yeah it's a really fascinating book and this movie adaptation is is of course uh skyscraper with the rock right (laughs) (laughs) it's the american version yeah Yeah, it sounds about right it's the american version right um all right, and uh, well, here, here's something too, man. You always bring to the table uh, interesting music that's not necessarily metal, but kind of like dark aesthetic adjacent, like kind of like strange folk music and mm-hmm. psychedelic stuff, man. What have you been listening to lately outside of metal? Uh, well, I guess this isn't quite in that realm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's definitely dark, uh, but I just today I was listening to a record by Matt Mitchell, a jazz piano player called uh, Phalanx Ambassadors. Um, and that's really, really cool. It's like Matt Mitchell, actually, uh, a fan of Artificial Brain, um, and really like a big metalhead. Uh, I've had the chance to, to meet him, and I, I've been to a couple of shows, but he's like an insane uh, piano player. And yeah, he did this record with uh, Miles Okazaki, Kim Cass, Kate Gentile, uh, 
there's someone else I'm forgetting, I believe. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of like, it's avant-garde jazz. It's not free jazz, though. It's, like, heavily structured, um, really riffy, and it's it's got, like, a, a kind of a dark, heavy aesthetic for, for jazz that's... Uh, Super cool. Any anything by that guy really. A pounding grimace. His his uh, record before that is is incredible. Pretty different, but in- incredible. Matt Mitchell. All right, man. And uh, you know, thanks for the support, Matt. <laughs> Glad, you know, it's also that he likes artificial brain. Like there was, uh, I, he probably he wasn't the guy who posted the piano cover of Synthesized Instinct. No, no, that, that was, was another... that was a student, I think, at yeah. a classical conservatory. I don't mm-hmm. know his name. And then there were the two European. Were they from Germany? The two European guys. That did the campfire acoustic. Yeah, I, I, I don't know anything about those guys, but yeah, yeah, I just remember that they're on YouTube. You can look up like I think they literally put like acoustic version of uh, Frozen Planets by us, and the, yeah. the, the guy sits there doing death metal vocals while his friend plays acoustic guitar, and he gets the lyrics right and everything. Man, I mean, yeah. I was very impressed with. That. And, and actually, so like anyone who knows that song knows knows Paolo in the beginning of it does this like high pitched pterodactyl shriek. So the, yeah. the guy who's doing the death metal vocals like whistles there. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. You know, yeah. summer's coming around. That's the yeah. campfire version. Yeah, you know what I mean, man. It's really funny. <laughs> awesome, man. Um, all right, cool, man. I mean, I, you know, maybe now would be a good time to just get into the good old album recommendations, then, man, and talk sure. about some metal. You know what I mean? So I'm riding my Segway here, and I and uh, and I see and I'm pulling to the side because I see Sam about to recommend something a little bit older to us. Yeah, so uh, I've got Craw, uh, mm-hmm. Lost Nation Road. I think it's from '94. Uh, Craw was like a kind of a math rock, like noise rock, metalcorey uh, sort of band. It's hard to compare them directly to anyone because they really didn't sound like anyone. But like um, Slint is uh, one comparison, the rock band Slint, who I really love. Um, there's a similar vocal sensibility, and there's something about like the um, the <laughs> the drumming that reminds me too. Like there's a lot of this polyrhythmic stuff going on. Um, but also there's sort of a like Jesus Lizard, uh, 
unsane kind of vibe and like dazzling kill manner, like even dysrhythmia. Really got like amazing um, instrumentalists. And uh, yeah, so this record uh, came out and wasn't, I mean, I don't think it got a tremendous amount of attention uh, and it fell into obscurity. And uh, Hank Steamer, the great music writer, uh, advocated for like a reissue of this album as well as the prior album and the next album uh, and did a Kickstarter and everything and it, it got re, uh, reissued all three of them got reissued in 2015 so they've wow. been more available now but uh, yeah just amazing stuff and quickly big shout to Hank Steamer because he also advocated for the Heavy Hole podcast uh, what was it on Twitter? yeah on Twitter uh, about a month ago man and we really appreciate uh, the acknowledgement man so thank you sir uh, if, if you're listening, if you're still listening, <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, this is really cool stuff, man. It's uh, I, I guess I'm not really my my field of uh, of expertise, but is this what people like refer to sometimes when they talk about like amphetamine reptile records sound that type of stuff like noise rock or yes, you, sort you of yeah, G, like yeah. Jesus Lizard, maybe Unsane stuff like that. I, I think it, it's it's like. Definitely, there's a relationship, but yeah. this band is way like proggier. There's like, you know, on this record, there's some wild saxophone stuff that's like <laughs> kind of more like Naked City or like John Zorn shit, you know, and or like, uh, or you know, at times like Mr. Bungle. It's it's way like proggier than most of that music is. Although it was recorded, uh, I think all three of these records were recorded by Steve Albini. Wow, Steve Albini. What else did Steve Albini do? Steve, I mean, he did um, In Utero, was mm-hmm. probably his yeah. biggest record by Nirvana. Yeah. He did, like, you know, Oxbow stuff. He did uh, one of the, not the most recent, but the second most recent Ken Mode record, I believe. Okay. Okay. Maybe, maybe he did the most recent one, too. I'm not totally sure. Uh, Pixies, he's done a bunch of stuff. Classic producer. Yeah. He's yeah. got a lot of stuff on here. It's a heavy yeah, head. Nirvana, heavy head Pixies, sure. The Breeders, Godspeed, You Black Emperor, mm-hmm. Neurosis, The yeah. Stooges. He is all over. Yeah, Oxbow, one of my favorite bands. He did some Oxbow records. Yeah, Drive Like Jehu. Uh, I think they were from the Seattle area band, but th- this is obviously a little more aggressive. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and off the wall than that, but still some of that kind of like early nineties mm-hmm. like noisy rock. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like uh, some botch you can kind of hear. Into yeah, botch. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that's, a, that's what I thought pre- of too. Like a precursor to some of this like early two thousands post hardcore kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Even like a little glass jaw. I'm gonna say. Yeah. Yeah, there's something, like, moody about it like that, yeah. Justin, what do you got? What do you got? I hope it's grindcore. It better be quick. Just, it's, not, it's not even grind. It's fucking thrash, but it's a testament, the new order. All right. Oh, cool. cool. So uh, so this album came out May 5th, 1988, which is one month after the year uh, after I was born, right? In the same year. So naturally, I went and bought the album All as right. soon as it came out, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, it's first thing. Fantastic. Um, it's why you were born for this, for this album. <laughs> So uh, I, I kind of got turned on to this band by, um, you know, uh, 
my, my introduction to metal was kind of like uh, early thrash or you know like Maiden pretty much like yeah, Maiden yeah. Priest um, Slayer uh, one of the first albums I had was the Black Album but like never really super got into it so uh, so when I heard Testament by you know, maybe I was like on much music the the, the music mm-hmm. video for Trial by Fire came I think, on I think me too yeah, actually like yeah that. it was either, either loud or yeah I think it was loud yeah, yeah, right, I, yeah. Was, one, one of those like upper yeah. the high 50s yeah. right on TV kind of thing so uh and, and it was it was this this like beautiful sort of classically inspired like sweeping guitar solo like in this junkyard and this fire <laughs> shit going on and I was like holy fuck what is yeah. this right because it had this um, this like extra musicality um, apart from the other like sort of big four thrash bands uh, yeah. of, of the eighties and stuff and um but also this like this this more um, tangible like down to earth grit you know this like yeah. this heaviness that was that's not as like lofty and fantasy as Slayer or something like that yeah. and and like I said more a little more musical than than Metallica um, and and punky like the this like driving bass you know I guess you can kind of like yeah. compare it to how Anthrax is a little more like punky hardcore yeah uh, where like this is more like punky metallic mm-hmm. and uh, and I just kind of put this song on repeat forever and <laughs> still <laughs> fucking love it so when I was I was searching for you know uh, uh, an album to bring in today and I was like hey man like yeah, and you know, self-admittedly, like I got so upset with that song, and then like kind of went to the greatest hits. That I never went back and listened to the full like, you know, record, like New mm-hmm. Order kind of thing. So going through it, and you got you know songs like Into the Pit, which they mm-hmm. still fucking play, and The Preacher, and this is just like such punishing heavy thrash, you know. That I you know, and and I feel like Testament's like one of the they're obviously one of the bigger '80s thrash bands, but kind of like or '80s early '90s thrash bands, but they kind of like get left out of that conversation because of the the big four, you know, that, yeah. that's kind of like going Yeah, around. I've always, not that I specifically dislike the big four bands, no, not but I've always disliked the idea of just grouping that big four and excluding all these other bands like um, uh, you know, obviously like Testament who we're talking about or uh, uh, want to talk Exodus. Thank, thank yeah, you. Yeah, I, was, yeah. uh, I yeah. was about to say X Hoarder, which is a different conversation, but yeah, mm-hmm. Exodus, obviously. Yeah, yeah. you know, there, there are lots of, you know, Death Angel, mm-hmm. you know, all these great bands from back in the day. Um, but yeah, you know, the, obviously those bands, the big four were big, but there's other bands, you know, and, and I hope maybe uh, nowadays there's like a big retro thrash movement going on. I hope sure. these kids are remembering Testament. I, maybe they are, man. I, I'm a little, you know, I'm an old guy. I'm a little out of touch with what's. It feels what's like they all just listen to Anthrax all day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think like Testament, like along with Exodus, like there was a sort of like you can there's an underlying death influence and in, you know in it and you, like uh, Testament had come out with an album I don't know if it was later in the '90s or early 2000s Demonic that that was like a yeah, more yes. of like a Demonic like, there was another one too uh, where that it had like a song or two with with Growling. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, what I remember is because um, I, I tell people a lot like in the late '90s and well in the early mid early to mid '90s I got kind of straightforward into death metal and hardcore and grindcore and skipped a lot of the preliminary stuff and um, I, my first experience with Testament was demonic. And I remember some reviews and people being like, wow, they kind of took a turn for the brutal here, you know? And I, I was like, wow, this death metal band is really sick, you know? And it, <laughs> and it was confusing when I kind of, like, backtracked and checked out their other stuff. But That album was kind of funny to me because, every th- the, you know, they adopted this death metal thing between the vocals and the riffing was a lot heavier. Mm-hmm. But the drums still <laughs> stayed, stayed very crashy, <laughs> yeah, so it was yeah. like... Yeah. It really school. was its own thing, you old know? School. Yeah. Um, it's not bad. I enjoyed it. Yeah, man. It's, it's it's catchy for that reason, in my opinion, man. Awesome. It's band. cool. Yeah. Uh, fun fact about this record, because uh, you know, this was the album that kind of like really broke Testament. Uh, 
136 on the Billboard Top 200. Oh okay. wow! Okay, so, yeah. have sold over like 250 thousand records. Like, get the yeah. money. You Probably know? beat out a couple of country records to get that. That how that how that's good. <laughs> What do you got for your old pick? Okay, uh, I um, foreshadowed this before when we were talking about classic New York City death metal bands. I have Ceremonium uh, with their 2000 full-length album, No Longer Silent, that was put out on Destro Records, which was their own label. Uh, I I think a compilation of some sort, uh, some sort of Ceremonium release was released fairly recently uh, of theirs. You could look that up. Uh, They're they're available out there. Ceremonium wasn't um, totally obscured by time. You could still find them on the internet and on YouTube and things like that. Uh, Great band. If you're familiar maybe with The Dying Light or Hemlock, uh, this band had Brandon Diaz on guitar and vocals. Uh, Also a guy named Thomas Pioli. I hope I got that last name right. He was in a band, uh, I found this interesting, found this on Metallum, Isolated Fear, which is a pre-Life of Agony band. So this guy was around. Uh, also an obliteration, live uh, in a live guitar and an incantation, a whole bunch of other bands, man. Um, but this band, Ceremonium, really special band. They were around in New York City in the 90s. Uh, not your typical, not a slam band or, or a hardcore uh, influence type of band in any way, man. More of your melodic, like European, um, very like old school with melodic and atmospheric sensibilities type of death metal band. But... Uh, no, no weak shit allowed, man. It was just really good fucking death metal, you know. Um, I, I, I remember I got this from them around the Lemores days. Lemores uh, Club in Brooklyn. Uh, Biolich played with them once or twice, and I used to see them around. I'm not sure what the guys did. I know Brandon Diaz, Diaz obviously went on to being the Dying Light, which we could talk about on a whole different uh, you know episode, man. That's another great band to get into. But uh, Ceremonium, man, just really good shit, and. Uh, you know, having that New York City um, attachment to it uh, in the '90s, but being more of a melodic, old-school European-sounding death metal. I would band. never guess that this yeah. was from New York City. Yeah, I've played this for people, and they were like, "Oh, this is from like Sweden, right?" Yeah, it or, sounds you know. colder. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, nowadays a little more common to hear bands popping up with different, you know, geographic styles. But this was out of left field and very well done. Listen to that; so good. It kind of reminds me of uh, there's a band from I think Minnesota called Obsequia. Okay. That does sort of a like a medieval like melodic death metal thing that's like a, or like sort of black metal that's like a bit like this. Mm-hmm. They've always reminded me of Ceremonium. Okay. Okay. But and, yeah, that's a band. Like when I found out they were from Minnesota, I was, yeah. <laughs> I was sort of like, oh, that's yeah, they, yeah. Sometimes somebody just pops up, you know what I mean? And uh, you know, Ceremonium was one of those bands. They had a, they had like two other full lengths, I think, and some demos and stuff. Man, it's something to look into. Um, and yeah, I mean, not much to say about this uh, other than it's a, a really classic death metal release, uh, and something maybe for your fans of like, uh, I don't know. Now, it's not so much like a uh, you know a buzzsaw guitar Swedish death metal record or something like that. It's and I think it probably has more in lines with your old older older doomy Finnish bands. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, with maybe even like kind of like an old school death influence or, or kind of fl- Florida vibe at times. But yeah, Ceremonium, man, just another New York City band um, to, to, to remember. The production is very raw, um, not not like demo quality or something like that, boombox quality, but just very raw, uh, great death metal production. You know, mm-hmm. you can tell it's from the 90s. Good record. skipping this week because i was in a car (laughs) (laughs) all right so uh we're gonna move ahead to new album recommendations tom was on vacation all week we gave him the week off from uh uh diligently doing research for the podcast i I didn't listen to a single blast beat this week Uh, (laughs) sorry guys no no blast beats in the stone temple pilots uh b-sides or anything unfortunately not but (laughs) man rock and roll doesn't always need it (laughs) all right so tom's gonna be back next episode uh, but we brought Sam in. We, we recommended so much stuff. But Sam, did you have something specifically uh, new that you want to talk about? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So the album I brought is, uh, I think it's Achiatus or Achiatus uh, by a band called Funereal Presence. So yeah, this is the drummer from Negative Planes solo project. Negative Plane, great band. Yeah. yeah. So Negative Plane, Stained Glass Revelations uh, is a, a record I really, really like. Uh, yeah. Played yeah. the hell out of it. And so this is... I mean, it's a different songwriter, but there's definitely a, a, a similar aesthetic. I think this is like a way... It's a more out there and kind of less less focused um, thing, but it's like packed with, with really cool ideas. And like Negative Plane, it's like black metal, but it's this kind of black metal that's... It's like retro in a way, or, or like... Uh, influenced by classic black metal but not like the classic black metal that people might think of when they hear classic black metal yeah, yeah, it's, like, yeah. it's like Tormentor and like Mortuary Drape and like this way more heavy metal kind of like almost merciful fady like yeah. uh, kind of thing going on with these like really like blurry reverb guitars playing like yeah like heavy metal leads uh, just kind of first wave uh, meets second wave maybe something like okay. that yeah um, yeah just really cool stuff yeah, well, that, like what you said with the heavy metal, it's very catchy mm-hmm. at times, you know what I mean? Without sounding like corny or cliche or something. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, recontextualizing those kinds of ideas into like a darker, you know. Yeah, which I love the idea of keeping more traditional heavy metal influences in extreme metal. Yeah. You know, and try and trying to like put a different aesthetic and a different atmosphere to them. Yeah, there are parts on this record that sound like Ride the Lightning, kind of, you know. It's, it's yeah. super cool. Ride the Lightning to your funeral. Also, uh, noteworthy album cover. 
Yeah, it's, that's what I would expect, man. It looks like one of those kind of like like medieval times. Mm-hmm. Ancient medical book yeah. kind of thing mm-hmm. going on there. Bubonic plague. <laughs> like that uh, co- Codex Seraphinus or yeah, whatever. Dude. Yeah, dude. Oh, man, what a good yeah. book. Refer to the social media though, to see what we're talking about. Uh, yeah. I don't we'll know put if it I right pronounced that face. at all correctly. <laughs> Encyclopedia <laughs> yeah, fucked up sera- shit. Seraphinus, Seraphinus, whatever. You it's definitely just it. a made-up word with made-up <laughs> language. Yeah. But you got I, I think the metal uh, community is still working on necrophagists. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, you mean necrophagist? Yes. Or ne- necrophagist? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. And> necro- <laughs> necrophagist. I love yeah. that. That's great. I met a guy who said necropahagist. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. I went to school with him. He dropped out before I did. <laughs> necropahagist? That's galaxy brain shit. Yeah. Ne- for a yeah. I love it. <laughs> you got something new so for, yeah, so for my new album this week I, I have uh, Norway's Obliteration uh, and their latest full length Cenotaph Obscure uh, All right. released by Indie Recordings in November of 2018 and then uh, put out by Dark Descent uh, in March of 2019 Dark Descent quality label Mm-mm-mm. so this is not to be confused with the obliteration that was just mentioned which featured members of Ceremonium exactly that's yeah. New York's obliteration yeah, this, this is, is yeah. Norway's this is Norwich yeah. uh, obliteration um, so yeah I came across this record and uh, upon my first listen I was kind of like you know just listening to it in passing I was like this is a pretty decent you know like old school sound and sound death metal record but um, there's something about it that kept bringing me back um, and the the deeper I dug, I, I found these like these layers and and this um, just just this depth and variety uh, going on here. Uh, this band just creates this this really sweet balance of um, like r- you know riding the line between like, head nodding kind of hooky sort of sort of shit and then just like scientific chaotic <laughs> sort of sort of riffage. They they dip into like a doomy atmosphere and then bring it back up with like punishing thrash riffs. Uh, struck me as a, as a, a, a real like breath of fresh air. Um, okay, you know, in like a this new age old school death metal. Yes, uh, a yes. band that sort of needs to be paid attention to. Uh, the production is 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 super clear and organic. Um, allows this 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 haunting melodic musicianship to come through in a really gritty and true to old school form. Big fan of the, of the guitar the the guitar and the songwriting on this record. Uh, riffs are just unassumingly brilliant. Brilliant, you know, it's like. They'll, they'll wash over you and you go back to it you're like wait that's this is a beautiful like choice of notes and it just creates this, this very very dark atmosphere uh, throughout yeah yeah all in all man this is uh it's just a crushing new school old school death metal record <laughs> and um yeah it's got you know all, all the nods and respect to the past but this band is is, is forging a unique path wow. forward and uh, this is their fourth full length their eighth release I believe in total wow their fourth full length um they formed in, in the early 2000s kind of thing so 
does this record also have that kind of I, I know like some obliteration records and discord records have like this sort of abstract expressionist album covers yeah, yeah. It, 100%. Like that. I think yep. it's a yep. really cool yeah it's a really cool idea. me too yeah because it, it, it instead of beating you over the head with your, your traditional death metal imagery it, it again like creates that atmosphere <laughs> it, it you know sets that mood like a like a room with yeah. only lights you know yeah. interesting because I see as, as original and unique as this is I see some parallels between this and another Norwegian band I mentioned a few weeks ago, Execration. Mm-hmm. Um, another, like you know, you say that old, new school, old school death yeah. metal, and the uh, the brilliant riffs, the uh, the artwork that's a little more abstract and makes you think. Um, and it makes me very fascinated by the Norwegians and their current uh, advanced understanding of metal. Of course, yeah, and you know it's funny too because like um, that, like all that being said, there's still some like some fucking snowy forest blackened shit that just comes yeah. through because that's they grew up eating that food you know so it's like it's in, it's in their blood it's in there but uh but yeah, yeah there's mushrooms some, and twigs yeah there's something smart <laughs> <laughs> something smart coming out you know no this is cool shit man I gotta check this out guys my new uh release it's queensreich it's the verdict the brand new queensreich album that came out in march 2019 on century media records beautiful right what what mm. reality is this man there's a lot of weird stuff in the modern day era going on a lot of crazy bad stuff one good thing that's crazy and i don't understand that's going on in our world today queensreich's back and uh they're, they sound like Queensryche of, of the like 80s into the early 90s a little bit, man. This, they got this new guy, Todd LaTorre, on vocals. Jeff Tate is doing whatever <laughs> Jeff Tate <Yeah>. does. He's, <laughs> he's, he's on a, a mission, variety man. show in Vegas or he's something. He's got enough money. His family's healthy. God bless the guy, <laughs> all right? But Todd LaTorre's back. And believe it or not, Todd LaTorre doesn't just sing exactly like a young Jeff Tate, but better allegedly, on this album. He plays drums on this album. What? So, yeah, I was like, all right. Yeah, so, ba- so and, and what's interesting is instead of getting a new drummer, it leaves the band half OGs and half new guys. So they wow. don't they didn't like upset the balance by getting a young drummer or something like that. So I'm like, all right, it's allowed. Because you still got Michael Wilton on guitar, Eddie Jackson on bass, the two uh, founding members. This guy, Parker Lundgren, I don't know if he's related to uh, Todd. But, uh, or, or Dolph. <laughs> but, um, yeah, on guitar. Anyway, mixed, mastered, produced by Zeus. Get it. Oh, and really? they're on Century Media Record. Yeah, yeah. get Dude, it. I don't know. I, fuck what you heard. Queensryche is back, Fucking bro. Back, like, yeah, they're, they're not doing the cabaret actor. That's Jeff Tate, all right? Well, uh, I know you're a, you're a huge Queensryche fan. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Not just by way of being a large fat man, but I actually <laughs> I love Queen's Metaphor. <laughs> yeah. I, I ignore a lot of their discography through the 90s into the 2000s. There's some questionable moments, but I was hooked in the 80s. 
Uh, you know, you got uh, Rage for Order, and you got uh, the, the original, um, you know, Queen of the Reich, and I'll even follow him right up to Empire. I got no shame, man. Even here in the now frontier, if I'm a little drunk, buddy, all right? <laughs> but um, a few years ago, they got this guy, Todd Latorian, to, to replay. They had this whole court battle. There was two Queen's Reichs. That's like a thing nowadays. Yeah, you get Queen's Reich bands AD with the or same something. Name. Yeah, the, <laughs> the Cro-Mags are doing it now or whatever. But um, the new album, they called The Verdict. They got the name. It's in. I mean, if that case closed, shots fired. All right, you know what I'm saying. But uh, look, man, I, I know Ray, like probably like Ranger from Bowel Erosion. There's a couple of people looking at me a little funny right now. All right, I'll be back to the gore grind and the OG death metal next week. But I'm a huge Queen's Right Cat. I love this shit. They're back to just balls out, catchy, energetic heavy metal. That makes you not want to kill yourself. <laughs> and every once in a while when I'm driving to work, I don't want to kill myself. And I put on some stuff like this or, you know, maybe your Grim Reaper or your Judas Priest or your Maiden or whatever. This is heavy metal, man. And they're back to doing uh, really catchy, well-produced, well-written heavy metal with a technical flair. Kind of a subtle pro progressive edge to it. Produced well. Todd LaTorre sings like Jeff Tate, but better. I'm sorry. It's I'm sorry, beautiful. Jeff. Sorry, Jeff. Allegedly, all right? I'll add the allegedly on there, but, I, you know. But, um, yeah, that's, that's all I got to say about this Queensryche, man. If you're a fan of heavy metal, uh, the old school vibe, give it a chance, man. I, I really love Queensryche, and I'm glad that they're back. I don't even mind the lineup changes and all that, man. I'll accept this. You know, this is cool to me. So, yeah, Queensryche, the verdict. Get it or don't. I'll be back talking about death metal next week, okay? <laughs> tell your friends before they tell you about yeah, it. Yeah, let's <laughs> let this one ride out, all right? So, uh, people who didn't know found out I'm a huge Queensryche head. All right? I, I'm out with it. Uh, this podcast will get canceled next week probably, but um, uh, we'll see. We learned about Sam Smith's many other projects he's involved in uh, besides playing bass and artificial brain all these years. Uh, thank you so much for coming out, Sam. We are being respectful of your time. we got to run in a few minutes and get you back to the train station. But uh, any parting words for listeners, uh, fans, just people who are interested in what you're doing? Um, I guess... Uh, one other thing that we didn't talk about to keep an eye out for is a band called Hestlicka Luftmasken, which is, like, going to be impossible to spell because uh, there's, like, a German character in there and whatever. But uh, look up, like, Nick Didkowski. Uh, it's a project I'm doing with him that's that's really exciting. And uh, I'm also going to be guesting on a Vomit Fist record. Vomit uh, Fist, I can spell yeah. for you. Okay. Uh, we're also with Nick. Um, so those are some things I'm doing in the future, and I don't know. That's about it. Say the German band one more time slow. Hestlicka Luftmasken. 
Okay, I'm gonna get uh, my cousin's wife Vivian. Shout out to her. She actually speaks German. I might be butchering the pronunciation in all, all right. honesty, but I mean, yeah. I, I got family that we're gonna get up to the bottom of this, and we're gonna talk about it on the podcast social media when this comes out. Sam, thank you so much. Looking forward to uh, you know continuing to, to write artificial brain material with you and all that, man. Uh, great to see you. You too. And, thanks uh, a lot, guys. Thanks, yeah, thanks for, for coming in, dude. Yeah, and, awesome. uh, and that's it. We're gonna get you up to Huntington train station right now and get you back to New York City out of the boondocks. All right. Heavy whole podcast, huh? All right, Google all the social medias. We're over that shit.